Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Potra, joined by Harris Kermani for this wonderful Monday, February 28th, the last last day of the month, my friend. It's not a leap year, is it? I don't think it is. Uh, it is going to be a nice little seven-game card that we have on our hands. But my good friend, Harris, how are you? I'm doing well. I think we're still uh, two years away from being a leap year away. I was going to say two years from two years away because that just seems to be the uh, running Bruno joke that's never going to die as far as Toronto fans are concerned. So that's <laughs> that. But otherwise, no, nah, it's good, man. It's a nice. Uh, I mean, I know we're recording this on a Sunday evening right now. We've had our uh, fair share of snow over this weekend. So it's a little, uh, little slushy out there at the moment. It starts to melt out. But otherwise, it's warm in here. It's doing well. And uh, my lineups are a bit hot as far as the Sunday is concerned. So let's hope that we can carry that over to the Monday. My guys' lineups are hot. Always, Harris. They're always hot with you, man. You're always killing it. So no no shock there. No surprise there. Uh, it's been actually a little chilly out here in Texas. Today was a little warmer, finally. Uh, when I moved here, I was like, it's going to be hot all the time. I was wrong. I got told I had to drip my faucets for the past few days up until today. So looks like, uh, you know, you're passing your Toronto over through the mic down here in Texas. But we got a nice little card to jump into. Before we jump into anything, though, quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy. Guys, come prop up with us over there this NBA season. Thrive is the daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props to thrive. You eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. You choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. Thrive has over 50,000 guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA and has awarded over $6 million so far. So when you sign up, use the promo code ETHOS. That is E T H O S. Receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. First game of the night, my friend. Minnesota Timberwolves traveling to Cleveland, taking on these Cavaliers. We'll go to the injury report. For Cleveland, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Rondo, Colin Sexton, Dylan Windler all rolled out. Malik Beasley is probable. Leandro Balmaro is in the G League. Check Vegas, see what their thoughts are. We are recording this a little bit early, so we may not have all the lines uh, that we're looking for. And at the moment, we do not have this line. So, actually, we don't have any of these lines right now. So, we're going to have to hold off on the lines. Uh, but I imagine this one's fairly competitive. I will pass it over to you to talk about Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You would think that it was pretty competitive, although the first matchup may uh... – maybe indicate otherwise because Cleveland had a nice blowout win on that one. But I do expect that Minnesota is going to come back stronger in this one. Uh, Cat, first and foremost, anytime he's under 10K, we've spoken about this a number of times, he's just got too much upside to be able to not at least have him in the player pool. It's not necessarily my favorite stud out tonight, especially given the fact that Cleveland's front court always makes life difficult for everyone, plain and simple. There's a reason why they're top 10 as far as uh, points in the paint and just in general being able to defend opposing bigs. So that makes it a little bit more interesting for me to look at both D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Both of them are down into the 7Ks, like low 7K. This is where at that point, I'm like, even if D'Lo has a bad game, for instance, is he really going to be that far off of, say, 30, 60K points for me not to take that upside with him? Because, you know, he'll have the games where he'll drop, you know, 28, 29 DK points, but he has that upside to be able to consistently get you, you know, 50 on a good night. And that's the kind of guy you want on your mid tier. And given the fact that uh, we don't necessarily know uh, what's happening with the Cleveland backcourt situation, we know Darius Garland, we're going to speak about 
has already been ruled out with his back. So they're going to be once again beleaguered as far as their backcourt's concerned. So I like D'Lo in this matchup. Anthony Edwards is just too cheap, but I don't know at which point he's going to find his shot because, yeah, I tell you, I watch a lot of Minnesota games and he's just looked absolutely off. God awful, terrible as of late. His shot making is off. His confidence seems low, but his price is also just way too low. And you know, he's going to turn around at some point. So really to me, it turns around on how risky you feel. I like D'Lo better, but Anthony Edwards definitely in play. Those are the only two guys I was looking at. Uh, Edwards and Mr. D'Angelo Russell. And I guess uh, they came out and said Edwards has just been overthinking things on the court in his quote. Uh, and maybe it's not a direct quote. It's a paraphrase. Uh, I'm just not going to think <laughs> when he goes out. I'm not thinking about anything when I go out there. Uh, so he kind of knows what's going on. He's going to look to, you know, right the ship when it comes to that, get his confidence back on track and start knocking down some more shots. I'd expect him to be aggressive. But both those guys absolutely in my player pool. On the Cleveland side of the ball, I mean, talk about I think everybody over here is a little underpriced as well. Jared Allen's all the way down to 7-3 now at this point. Uh, and that's him coming off of a 42-and-a-half-point game, DK point game, that is, against Washington. Uh, I don't mind that price tag at all at 7-3. You know, targeting centers going against Carl Anthony Towns is always something I like to do. He put up 44 DK points on this team earlier in the year in that blowout in only 26 minutes. So uh, definitely like me some Jared Allen. I think Goodwin's still at a comfortable price tag at 52, getting a nice $1,000 price increase from that last outing. Uh, but he, only, he put up 23-and-a-half DK points in that last one on 2 of 11 shooting. So he still has the upside to easily get you 30. He's not the smash play that we're looking at, uh, like we have been looking at for the past two games, but certainly another option that I do not mind looking at in this one. And I think marketing uh, is a guy that I took advantage of in that last slate, and I'm going to keep doing it. The shot attempts should continue to be there for marketing at 6K. He's going to be taking double-digit shot attempts, somewhere around 15 each game. They need him to step up. Bottom line, you know, Coro's not an offensive option. Jared Allen is nothing more than putbacks and lobs. Mobley is going to have to create for himself at this point with Goodwin playing point guard. And even Goodwin himself isn't a great offensive option. So marketing should still pave the way for shot attempts. And with that kind of you know usage, uh, I have a ton of interest in him. So at 6K, sign me up. So for the most part, I'll have mild shares of Goodwin, good shares of marketing. And I really like Jared Allen in this one as well. So I don't mind going to him as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And uh, I feel like I almost owe it to myself to keep riding that Chetty Osman train because he did well for me in that last game against Washington. Yeah, he's up a little bit more up to 4,400 at this point. But anytime Garland is out, he just seems to find opportunities to be able to put up those double digit shot attempts. You know, he's hot and cold in that one. So more of a GPP play, but I'm good with uh, any of the guys that you mentioned. And I still do keep Mobley in my player pool just because I think 6,900 is just way too cheap for a guy who can consistently get you into the mid thirties without breaking a sweat. And he's already shown the upside to drop 50 as well. All right. Next game. Pacers traveling to Orlando, taking on the magic here. Uh, Pacers are on the second half of a back-to-back, so no injury report for them for the Magic. Ball, ball, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Mo Wagner all out. Markel Fultz is now probable. He's looking to expect to make his return. As we said, there's no game lines for this one. Talk about Indiana, Halliburton up to 8-6. Is he worth that price tag with Brogdon back? So I was really interested to see what kind of minutes Brogdon would be looking at as soon as he got back. And I know we're still early on in the night, but I mean, early into the third quarter, he was already into the early 20s as far as his minutes are concerned. And he's already nearing uh, 25 without the third quarter even ending. So clearly restrictions are not a thing coming in for Malcolm Brogdon. My only, I guess, question would be if they decide to throw him into a back-to-back right off the bat. And I think we'll have to wait and see if they actually do. But if that is the case and he is playing, I think that takes a lot of the shine away from Tyrese Halliburton. Malcolm Brogdon is the one that jumps into my player pool. And otherwise, I think the Indiana side, there's been relative consistency in terms of what the rotation is looking like. Uh, Duarte came back today as well. 
And uh, you know, while his minutes are still going to be kind of working his way back into it, a guy who has found himself locked into a role has been O'Shea Brissett. 5,900 now, which is probably the highest we've seen his price tag get. But four out of the last five games have been 33-plus DK points, including two 40-point nights in there. And he's well on his way to be able to drop somewhere in the mid to high 30s tonight as well. So he's just been a guy I've liked taking in a lot of these matchups. Orlando has been just absolutely terrible in defending any sort of wings. And you know, opponent rank on that one as well as sitting at 27. So definitely a spot to be able to go ahead and take him. And at 5,900, I'm good with having him as one of my guys. And the only other area is kind of what they end up doing with their front court. I do like Isaiah Jackson in general, but he seems to have uh, now find himself in a situation where he gets into early foul trouble. Then he seeds his position out to uh, Jalen Smith. So it's at the moment, I'll kind of hold out on the front court. But I do think eventually... Isaiah Jackson wins out, and he's going to be a guy we're going to be looking at as the season continues. Yeah, I think Brissett is probably going to be my favorite option as well. I mean, the guy, I think he's knocked down six three-pointers at the, at the point where we're recording this right now. Uh, he's got a shot from deep. He's always good for about close to double-digit, if not more than double-digit rebounds. And he can even slide over to the five at some point. They don't need to with all the front-court guys they do have. But they're clearly trying to get a good look at him. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He should hold on to this role for the remainder of the season. I don't see TJ Ward coming back anytime soon. So uh, Brissett and Jackson are basically the two guys I had the most interest in. You mentioned it well. Jackson could find himself into foul trouble, but if the, man, if the guy stays out of it, uh, he's a freak. He's a dude that could just rack up counting stats very quickly for this team. So those are the two main focuses I'm staring at. I don't mind Halliburton at 86, but I think we have better options on the slate. Uh, onto the Orlando side of things. Cole Anthony at 6,800. Don't mind looking there. He put up 36 DK points in about 35 minutes against his team. At 6,800, I have no issues paying for that. Uh, we know that he's a little up and down, but he also has that GPP winning upside. And at 6,800, he's worth taking the stab at. When he's around that you know, mid-7 or low, like 7.4, 7.5, I think he's extremely fadeable. Uh, he, again, he could always be that guy that takes on a tournament for someone. Uh, but I'll have some shares at this price tag. At 68, I really don't mind that one bit. Uh, and then the only other guy I really had any interest in would probably be Wendell Carter Jr., who is coming off of a fantastic game. Yes, it was against Houston. Uh, I get it. It's a completely different matchup. But he's going to get to a young front court that, fight, like we just said, Jackson finds himself getting into foul trouble early and often. Brissett, a little bit undersized when it comes to Wendell Carter Jr. So uh, definitely a guy I'm looking at. He put up a monster game against them earlier in the year with 18 actual rebounds and 19 points. So sign me up. Those are the two guys I have the most interest in. Yeah, fair enough. Those have probably been the major guys I've been looking at. Although in general, I have been finding myself playing a good bit of Chuma Okiki as of late. Uh, yes, his price tag has taken a bit of a jump coming into this game up to 5,500, but makes sense given the fact that he's coming off uh, 53.75 DK points night. More importantly for them, though, he's just been able to rack up stocks at a ridiculous breakneck pace. He's pretty much what Robert Covington would be doing on a normal night if he happens to get the minutes that Okiki is getting as of late. He has anywhere between uh, three to five stocks in any of three of his last, uh, or sorry, four of his last five games, which has made it really, really cool to be able to own him. His shot attempts keep going up as well. And more so than that, he's showing off his playmaking ability as well, getting up to four assists in uh, two of his last four games as well. So just a lot of diversity that I do like in his stat line to be able to take him. 5,500 is probably... The ceiling of what I'm willing to pay for him at this point, but that is going to be a spot that I am interested in taking him as well. All right. Next game, your Toronto Raptors traveling to Brooklyn, taking on the Nets here. Uh, we'll go to the the wonderful injury report for Brooklyn. Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie, Ben Simmons all rolled out. And the Raptors, OG, 
and Fred uh, OG's out, and Fred VanVleet is questionable. So keep your eye on that. We know he was doubtful coming into that Saturday game. It's like, nope, he's playing. Uh, so I will pass it over to you to talk about your Raptors, and I guess the big the big elephant in the room, I guess, is going to be whether or not Fred VanVleet plays, and I guess how that affects the rotation. Yeah, and whether he plays or not is going to determine how fractured the Raptors are, much like OG's ring fingers at the moment. So it's just been a uh, struggle for them in the last two games uh, since coming out of the All-Star break. But as a result of that, the prices for all these guys are relatively depressed from where they should be. And if Fred Van Vliet's ruled out, or even if he honestly is in any way limited, Pascal Siakam in general is going to be the main guy I target over here. Uh, first and foremost, 8400 is just way too cheap for a guy who is playing consistently near 50 DK points on a nightly basis going into the All-Star break. Yes, he hasn't uh, done amazingly in the two games that he's come out, but we know Spicy just needs one game to be able to get himself going. Brooklyn has been a matchup that's been uh, pretty good for him as far as his field goal percentage is concerned. Uh, he just hasn't been required to uh, really put up those monster nights against them. Either it had been a blowout loss or it just hadn't been, uh, or in the second game it hadn't been a good night for him in general. So I'm looking at him as being my main guy. I do think Scotty Barnes has good upside at 5,700. We've seen that in the in the first game back from the break where he put up a near 40 DK points night over there. He kind of got himself into a little bit of foul trouble in the uh, in the previous game, and that uh, ended up limiting his minutes there. But in general, with OG out, they're going to be looking a lot more to Scotty Barnes to be that secondary playmaker, and even more so if Fred Van Vliet happens to be there. So between Siakam and Barnes, those should be the major ones. But the other one I do want to call out, and this is probably going to be my uh, you know, value play, I'll throw it out there. Precious Achua has been incredibly, incredibly impressive in the two games since he's come out from the All-Star break. You know, got himself a little bit of confidence over there in that Rising Stars game. Shouldn't have gone for that last three-pointer, got him benched. But in general, he's been uh, really showing out his versatility on the defensive end. He's finding himself in a lot of different lineups now, and they like throwing him out there into that small ball lineup as well, which is kind of completely dis- destroyed uh, Cam Birch's role as well as Chris Boucher's role, but it's come at his uh, at his benefit. So at 3,600, absolutely sign me up. He's going to break that easy. Well said. I have nothing else to add there. I'm on those three guys with the ones I had circled and I had interest in, uh, and that's it. So I will slide over to the Brooklyn side of the ball here, uh, knowing that there is no Kyrie. We can go back to the well with some of these guards, whether you want to look at Seth Curry, Bruce Brown, Cam Thomas. Those are the three guys that I have interest in. Probably the only guys that end up playing on this team and you know, obviously, it's going to come down to correlation and, and what you feel like is going to work best for you. They're all a little pretty similar in price, but um, different position eligibility. If you need the shooting guard, maybe you go to Curry or Cam. Uh, Cam hasn't been having that big, you know, splash as he has been earlier, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, where he's putting up 30 and 35 DK points. It felt like on the regular. Uh, but we know he's capable of it. They're going to need a score and punch in this game if they hope to keep it close. And Bruce Brown has just been a complete utility knife for this guy, for this team. Uh, he's always getting it done. Great rebounding guard. He's always good for, you know, a steal or two. Sometimes it ends up being five or three. Uh, and he hasn't been putting up too many blocks as of late. Uh, but he's usually good just pretty much in all of the kind of stocks that we see as a guard. So 5,100, don't mind going there. And you guys all know how we feel about Seth, uh, Seth Curry. When there's no leading scoring options on this team, you could pretty much write him home for about 30 DK points. And at 5,900, I have no issues there. So those are the three guys I have the most interest in. And I don't think I will be going anywhere else. But James Johnson's price tag is still intriguing at 41. So I wouldn't fault you if you want to go that way. Um, He's just pretty consistent. As long as he's going to continue to play 30-plus minutes, which I imagine he will in this matchup, going against Pascal Siakam, they're going to probably end up running another big out there just because without OG, they're not playing Siakam as much at the five. It's been a little bit of Birch and, like you said, Precious, even some Boucher. 
where they're going to need some extra size in that front court to match up with them. And I don't think Kessler Edwards is going to be the way they want to do it. So, you know what? Uh, walking it back, I do like me some James Johnson. So those four guys, I think, are all in play. And if I had to list them in order of my favorite plays, it would probably go Seth, Brown, Johnson, Cam Thomas. Uh, but Johnson is the more I the more I say his name, Harris, the more I feel like I'm going to have to play him for value. Fair enough. I, I was going to say if Dwayne Casey was still our coach, then you definitely have to play James Johnson because he just has it out for him to make sure that he proves that it was a mistake for the Raptors to let him go not once but twice. But it is what it is. But apart from that, I'm absolutely there with the uh, four guys for you. Uh, Cam Thomas is probably a little bit higher on my tier list. Just plain and simple, whenever uh, Kyrie is out, he gets up to like 17 to 18 shots a game, which plain and simple just gives him that upside to be able to easily destroy 4,900. But Seth Curry is definitely going to be the main play here for me. All right. Fourth game of the night, Chicago Bulls traveling to Miami, taking on the heat here for the Bulls. Lonzo, Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, all ruled out. And then for the Heat, Kyle Lowry has been ruled out due to personal reasons. Markeith Morris, Victor Oladipo, and Javante Smart are out. And then Caleb Martin is questionable. Talk about these Bulls. Yeah, with Chicago, it's the same old situation where, plain and simple, everyone is priced appropriately. And the only one that I ever see with any upside is always Zach Levine, just because he seems to be the one sitting into that 8,000 range. Uh, He paid it off pretty decently in the last game to get 44 DK points there, yet still saw his value drop a little bit as a result just for his I guess, overall performance over the last uh, five to six games. I think in general, if there's one guy between DeRozan, Booch, and Levine, that's the one you want to look at. But beyond that, I mean, Dosunmu, I would say technically should be doing pretty well for that price tag. Uh, he had an absolute dud against Memphis, but had been pretty consistent into that uh, low to mid 30s as far as DK points are concerned prior to that. So I do expect him to have a little bit of a bounce back game. But again, Miami, incredibly pesky team defensively. Uh, not having Kyle Lowry there probably makes it slightly easier uh, from an opposing guards perspective. But again, Jimmy Butler is just so switchable that they'll go ahead and find a way to uh, be able to put him on whoever happens to be doing well. So by and large, I think I'm going to be avoiding most of the Chicago guys unless I want to take a chance on Levine. Yeah, I don't have any interest in Chicago. Uh, pretty much it. Like even if I'm even if we're talking about Levine, I think there's other guys near that price range I just prefer, if not find the extra money. For a guy like Jimmy on the other side of the ball, 8,900. We know that anytime Kyle Lowry sits, Jimmy's going to handle the ball a lot more, facilitate a lot more of this offense. Uh, gives him that higher floor plus the higher ceiling. So, you know, he's normally floating right around that, anywhere between that 40 to 50 range on most nights. Sometimes it's that little, you know, high 30s. But I think it's pretty much a 40 point floor anytime I see Kyle Lowry's out. We want more than that, but this is going to be a pretty competitive game, especially with Kyle Lowry out. So I do have interest in Jimmy. Don't mind looking at Tyler Hero. Had plenty of shares of him in that last one. Uh, he's just, again, a guy that's going to have to facilitate a little bit more. There's going to be extra shot attempts that go around. 6300 that's a, probably too cheap of a price for Kyle Lowry out. He should probably be more like that 6800 range. And then if I was going to look at one other person, it would probably be Gabe Vincent down at 3600 Wouldn't shock me if he ends up drawing the start. we got to see how they do this. Maybe they start Hero. Uh, a lot of those games that Kyle Lowry missed, Hero was missing some of those as well. So we ended up seeing you know Gabe Vincent start, but they might end up just doing the Duncan Robinson thing. So keep your eye on that. One of those guards between Duncan, between Gabe, will probably most likely draw the start. And if it's Gabe Vincent at 3,600, I think he becomes a fantastic value play. Yeah, right there with you. Tyler Hero is my main guy. As you said, just priced 
probably to me about a thousand dollars too cheap for what his upside is going to be, uh, given the fact that his shot attempts are going to go somewhere close to 20. And apart from you mentioning Gabe Vincent, uh, a guy to keep an eye out and as well as just Max Stress, if he ends up getting either he gets started or if he's going to be kind of first guy off the bench for them. He's uh, going to get into that situation where he gets 24 to 25 minutes. Usually he's able to shoot six, seven threes in that time, which for his absolute bargain basement price of 3000 isn't a bad spot to land on either. All right. Fifth game of the night. San Antonio Spurs traveling to Memphis, taking on the Grizzlies here. Go to the wonderful injury report. We don't have it. So neither team has yet submitted their injury report. We know we don't have any lines, so we're flying in this blind, my friend. But we know in that last one, Spurs were forced to, not forced, but they popped us. Uh, total pop move, <laughs> resting three guys and then playing the one guy that you said you were going to rest, uh, which was crazy. Zach Collins was the night before the game was said that, yeah, there's no A plays. Uh, the back-to-back, we're not playing him. Eh, he's starting. You know, that's how we do things over here with Popovich. So uh, keep your eye on it. But it looks like what I imagine is that everybody should be good to go in this one. So I will pass it over to you to talk about the Spurs. Yeah, and – I think the only one of a potential interest would be the DeJounte Murray one because they put it as like a knee contusion. And I'm like, I hope that's just them being popping us because the other two guys with lower back soreness, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not a thing. I'm not worried about that. I'm pretty sure uh, both Pirtle and Keldon Johnson will be back for sure. But DeJounte is the one uh, you, you want to kind of keep an eye out and make sure he's OK because he did have a bad fall in that uh, previous game right near the end in that uh, double OT where he was clutching his uh, knee for a little bit and was able to finish out the game but uh, did look a little bit gimpy, so hopefully he's all right. But regardless, uh, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson have been the two guys I've consistently found myself playing night in, night out, as far as the Spurs are concerned, ever since the uh, the trades happened. Especially Devin Vassell has just been awesome and throughout, other than that 10-point dud that he threw up against Chicago. Every night I've played him, he's paid off his value, so I'm just going to keep going back to the well until his price gets out of, uh, out of range for me. And Keldon Johnson works pretty much the same way as well. Kind of one of the most consistent guys as far as DFS is concerned. He's constantly sitting at that 6,000 range, but he's shown his upside to be able to get to anywhere between 35 to 40 on a night in night out basis. And he just keeps getting more shots every night as well. So sign me up for both those guys and uh, I'll take DeJounte Murray on the chin. If he does happen to play, I'm a little worried about his knee. Oh, did I lose you? You didn't lose me, my man. I just sat there and muted myself like a fool. Huh. Uh, you know, normal casual. I've, I've been, I'm good for that once every like 15 shows where I'll just go to, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I was honestly, I was saying, I don't, I don't, yeah, after I just have to set everything, repeat myself. Uh, I'm not interested in anybody really over here on the Spurs. I don't fault you for looking at Vassell or Keldon Johnson. This isn't the type of matchup I want to target Keldon Johnson in, though. If there's one, you know, four that's a stretch four that can kind of fly his way around the court and play good defense. It's going against Jaron Jackson Jr., so I don't really want to target that. And Vassell's at a very reasonable price tag. I don't think we're getting a ton of value left on that. If it gets you 30, it's it's okay. You're happy with it. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to lose you a slate, but he'd really have to go out there and put up like 40 DK points uh, in order to win you a slate at that price tag. So if we see that DeJounte does sit, then that changes things. I'd have interest in, in Vassell a lot more, but he's probably the lone guy. But also if DeJounte sits, we're, we're playing Trey Jones. It's that simple. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think, you know, it's kind of hard not to be interested in Morant, man. 9,700. Uh, I think I prefer him over DeJounte. He's probably going to end up being my second favorite stud to spend up on, on this slate. And I mean, that's, I guess Siakam's a stud. He's over the AK mark. So, uh, we'll get to him. The, Morant's right up in there though with Siakam. And then we'll get to the one other guy later on who 
those are the only three guys I think like really over that 8K price range that I have a ton of interest in. Um, I think 9,700. Dude just came off of an absolutely barn burner of a game, set the Grizzlies record with 46 actual points, which I was almost taken back a little bit. It made me think, like, well, I guess they really never had any, like, crazy prolific scorers that could have done that. I thought maybe maybe Rudy Gay did that one time or something like that, but no. 46 is the Grizzlies record. Uh, he's burned this team twice already this season to a tune of averaging 57.60K points, 9,700. This dude's just on a absolute tear, and I'll, I don't mind it. If it's under 10K, I could pay that price tag. Outside of him, I'm not going to go chasing the Steven Adams game. Had an unbelievable game in that last one against the Bulls. Don't get me wrong. I think he's perfectly capable of it. But I think Jaron at 67 is a little too cheap as well. He also has a great a great average against his team so far in two games this season. But more or less, he's just too cheap. I think both those guys are slightly underpriced. John Morant should probably be 10-2. Jaron should probably be about 7-3. Uh, so I'm good with both those guys. I don't think I need to go crazy. Uh, Bain's always in play at that price range, but I think we have a lot of 6K options, especially talking about a lot of those Brooklyn guys that we spoke about earlier. So I don't think I'll end up on Bain. I'll just kind of keep my eye on these two top dogs. Fair enough. I was going to say how the times have changed from taking it on the chin all the way to top stud. It's a full on 180, but I'm liking uh, it. I'm liking well, it. Well, I, I mean, it's top three stud because, I mean, when it's all said and done, I love Siakam's price tag in that Brooklyn matchup. And we'll get to Giannis in the matchup that he's in as well. Uh, it's going to be, it might be tough to afford both those guys, you know, if I wanted to play Morant with Giannis, but we've already talked about some pretty decent value. So we'll see how the chips fall. Yeah, exactly. And really, that's where the whole like Desmond Bain situation comes for me as well. He said, we've spoken about a number of kind of 6K guys already. Tyler Hero is probably a more exciting person to be able to take at 6,300 rather than that price tag. But as you said, John Morant has just been on an absolute. Not just tears, this entire season has just been a complete coming out party for him. So he just continues to put up monster line after monster line. People are waiting for more playoff Morant to be able to come so that he can really showcase himself to the whole wide world. But until then, 9,700, anything under 10K, I'm absolutely taking Morant more nights than not. And as you said about Jaron Jackson, it's just been fantastic against the Spurs. And in general, he's been trading off bad to good games and he's coming off a bad game. So, hey, you know what that means. Good games are coming. I like it. I like that logic right there. That's the logic I'm going to roll with. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next game. Charlotte traveling to Milwaukee, taking on the Bucs here. Uh, Hornets, second half of back-to-back, no injury report for them. Bucs have yet to submit there, so we have nothing to go by here. But we know Gordon Hayward should still be out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if McDaniels stays out. And then, as we know, Brooke Lopez and Connaughton are going to be out for the foreseeable future, and as well as George Hill. So I will pass it over to you, talk about Charlotte and who you'd be targeting in this matchup. Yeah, fair enough. And when you were mentioning those uh, studs over 8K that were coming, I know Giannis was in play, but Lamelo was the one that was really jumping out to me. First and foremost, he's had three fantastic games against Milwaukee. It's just been one of those guys who, when the matchups come up, that's when he decides to come and show up trumps because he's just kind of coasting. What is it? LeBron likes to call it chill mode for himself. He seems to be chilling in matchups where he doesn't need to absolutely go hard. His shot has been away from him for the last two games, 10 of 31 in that time. But plain and simple, uh, he's just far too underpriced for what we know is going to be a high-paced game. Milwaukee is obviously one of the best teams in the league and one of the best teams defensively, but Lamelo has continued to find ways with his shiftiness to get inside and make them pay, especially when they sag off on him a little bit. He's had a pretty good shooting time against them, uh, 41% from three as well. So just a lot of opportunities for him to continue on that pace. And I think at 9,100, there's more than enough upside for him to do that. 
And then uh, the other two guys that I just always consistently look at now, Montrez Harrell, first of all, for 6,000, he's just been a guy that, that needs to be priced up for what he's been doing. He just hasn't had any performance that would really be below that kind of 65 to 6,800 mark other than like one game where he dropped 28. So until his price really ends up like changing up for me, I'm happy to take him most nights here, especially in a matchup against Bobby Portis. It just seems like it's two very similar minded energy guys just looking to get into each other's face the whole night. It's going to be fun to watch. And I expect Montrez will be heavily involved in this game as well. And then Miles Bridges against 7,500, just far too cheap for a guy who's consistently shown his ability to be able to get to that 40 DK points mark. He himself has also done well against Milwaukee, except for the fact that his outside shot has been pretty iffy altogether as of late, but just in, in general against Milwaukee, he's really struggled from outside, but hopefully that means he's going to get more inside, try to get to the uh, rim attacks that he's always been known for and let Lamella, Lamella lob it up to him so I can get double trouble as far as both their DK points are concerned. Yeah, I don't mind Lamella. Uh, like you said, he's, he's been overperforming in all these matchups against Milwaukee so far this season. Only issue I run into is that I like a lot of these other options. And if I can, you know, not pay up for Lamelo and spend that money somewhere else, and still feel confident by running back, you know, against Giannis um, with like a Rozier, a Bridges. I really like Kelly Oubre in this matchup as well. Uh, I'll, I'll save that money and kind of spread the wealth around to some other slates. So I again won't fault you one bit for going to Lamelo. Will I end up with a ton of them? Probably not. Just you know, trying to be transparent. But would it, would it shock me if he burns me? So we're going to switch it up here, and I'll take it off the chin if he does. It's that simple. Uh, but I think Kelly Oubre at 5,500, you know, I, I definitely have some interest in Oubre. Just he's been more involved in the offense ever since Hayward's been out. At least 13 shot attempts over the last three games. Played double, uh, over 30 minutes in the last two. Big game coming against Toronto. Other two have been a little lackadaisical. Uh, but against his team so far, in the two games he's played against Milwaukee, he's averaging 31 DK points in 28 minutes. Let's say he's averaging or he ends up playing 32 to 35. We're probably looking more like that 35, 34 DK point range. Uh, 5,500, I think that's excellent. They're going to need a scoring punch. Not to mention, Milwaukee kind of gets cooked from deep by threes. Uh, same thing with Charlotte. Both these teams give up a lot of three-pointers. So I'll look for the shooters. Um, so give me some Rozier. Give me some Ubre. Don't mind Bridges as well either. On the Milwaukee side of things, Mr. Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I'm playing him. Three games in this matchup, averaging 66 DK points. No shocker there. The dude has a walking 50 to 60 every single night as it is let alone Charlotte's inability to guard pretty much any position at any point in time throughout the game. Their high pace that they play at, I like this matchup a whole lot for Giannis. He's going to be my favorite stud. We'll talk about that a little later, but absolutely have a ton of interest in Giannis. And listen, if you want to go to some of these other options, it's almost like, I guess, very similar where, hey, maybe you can't afford Giannis and you want to look at some of these other options. I don't mind it. I think Middleton is who I prefer over Holiday. I expect him to be a little bit more involved in the offense in this game. Like I said, this team gets cooked from three-pointers. Middleton never shy from taking three-pointers, as we know. He took 12 against Philadelphia. So, like, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up just trying to take advantage of the defense on here and takes about eight of them. Uh, and then if you needed to save some money, go down to Grayson Allen at 4,100. Minutes have been down over the last two games, but granted he was dealing with hip soreness, so maybe they need to get him a little bit more involved in this one. Wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go that way, but I think I'm just going to end up playing Giannis and maybe running out in this back with one other player on the other side. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, speaking of overperforming, this matchup has been Middleton's best this entire season as well, averaging nearly 50 DK points in the three games that he's gone up against them. So definitely the guy that's in play. I mean, Giannis is always in play. I just have to figure out which guys I'm going to be cheapening out on to be able to get him in. But I expect 
Obviously, when we get the lines, I expect this to be the highest scoring game of the night. So that's automatically going to make it uh, something of greater interest to me as far as exposure is concerned. But right there with you with uh, Giannis and Middleton. And honestly, I may even find myself uh, taking a little bit of Portis depending on how things kind of work out. I just have this feeling that I'm going to find myself heavily exposed in this matchup, which means I'm going to have anywhere between like four to five guys between the two teams there. I try not to always do that, but I just, I don't know. I I just have this sneaky feeling about this game being one of those that can uh, completely blow is slate open by being one of those like stupid 130 point games on each side and uh, we end up with that being like 30 points more than anything else on the slate so just kind of keeping an eye out for that and that's just my game script for it all right final game of the night sacramento traveling to oklahoma taking on the thunder oklahoma city we got no game total as we said before no injury report for the thunder before the Kings, Rashawn Holmes is questionable. Terrence Davis has been ruled out. I will pass it over to you. Talk about them Kings. Yeah, and them Kings just continue to find ways to uh, make things interesting as far as their price tags are concerned. There's just continuously been good upside for what they've been doing. De'Aaron Fox is coming off a 49 DK point game against uh, the Denver Nuggets. Great game there. Sabonis as well. You know, he kind of had... One amazing game against Denver and then one really good one. And he's just continuously been at that uh, 50 DK point mark. So all of these guys are very much in play for, for how it all turns out. My only concern would be on the OKC side if they can try and keep this up. Not that the Kings are anything great as far as offense is concerned, but uh, they will need something to be able to try and keep up with the Sacramento uh, offense once they get going. So I'm kind of wary of getting a little too involved with uh, the Sacramento picks, although their price tags are great. I do think Harrison Barnes at 6,200 is a great spot as well. And from a, a cheap perspective, Jeremy Lamb continuously finding himself back into more minutes once he gets uh, once he gets into normalcy. Got 29 minutes in the last game, got up to about 25 DK points. That's sitting at 3,800 now. That's a pretty good price tag for him to be able to hit 5X pretty easily. So that's somewhere I probably will have a little bit of interest just to get some exposure. Yeah, I think the only guy I'm really interested in here would be Sabonis. A little revenge narrative uh, against the team that he used to play for. Uh, didn't believe in him all so much. And ended up shipping him out but the $9,500 price tag it's just again there's so many guys I like that you could spend up on do I end up on a ton of them he'll be a pivot for me in GPPs I don't expect him to draw a ton of ownership in this matchup but he did drop almost 72 DK points against the Thunder earlier in the year when he was playing for the Pacers granted that was in 43 minutes now I don't think I'll play 43 minutes uh, but we know that Oklahoma City's defense in the front court has been abysmal at best so you should be able to just kind of feast in this matchup. There's no doubt about it. I'm expecting him to have a good game. Uh, but at the end of the day, now he's only center eligible. So there's no more of that power forward eligibility, which makes him a little tougher to roster at 9,500. I, I love. I would pay the 9,500 if you had you know power forward eligibility, and I could still probably play two centers or mix and match a little bit. But now you're taking up one of those center spots. We've already talked about several centers on this slate. So I don't know if I end up landing on him, but he'd probably be the one guy that I have interest in on the Sacramento side of the ball. And then for the Thunder. It looks like Josh Giddy will probably still likely to be out. They said he's going to miss some time, so we can pretty much rule him out. But we need to keep an eye on Lou Dort. That's the big thing right there because if Dort's forced to rule, uh, forced to rule out, forced out again, then Trey Mann, Wiggins, both those guys should play pretty solid minutes. We saw Wiggins play 31 minutes in that last game. Did nothing with them, only 13 DK points. But we're talking about a guy, 3,600, you know, almost near the minimum salary kind of mark that's playing 30 minutes. You got to have a little interest. Shooting guards usually always cook the king. So I'd probably be looking at those two, but we need to hear that Dort news. Other than that, I don't really have any interest over here because 
They keep mixing and matching with the front court, whether it's Roby, whether it's Favors. Roby seems to have a consistent role carved out, which I don't know why they're choosing to do it towards the end of the year, or they could have been doing this all season long. Coming into the year, it felt like he was their best center uh, you know, option that they had at the moment. Uh, but now they're, they're taking a look at him again. They did this last season, too. We're down the stretch. They started playing Roby good minutes. So he, you know, maybe if we hear he draws a start, but even at 4,600, we're not getting a huge, you know, discount. We're not, he basically would need to get his 30 for me to be upset if I didn't have him. Yeah, fair enough. And other than the fact that uh, Shea is 9,600 and out of the price range I'm willing to pay, there's only one guy I have circled on this entire team, and that's Trey Mann. Plain and simple, 5,400. He's been just the one consistent offensive force on this team for the last four or five games at this point now. Hasn't had a game below uh, 34 DK points in his last four, has gotten, anywhere between 13 to 20 shots in each of those in his minutes have been relatively consistent. He's been the biggest beneficiary of the fact that Giddy has been out. He's been played as purely shooting guard at this point with a little bit of ball handling uh, capability given to him when Shea actually ends up sitting. So just in general, he's found himself in a lot of different ways to be able to go and get his att- his attempts and his DK points. So the fact of the matter is with that kind of shot attempts, sign me up for 5,400. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm with you there. I'm, I still want to keep an eye on that. I'll probably be a little less inclined to play him if door plays. That's the only thing I'm going to add to that, uh, just because we know then some of those shot attempts will probably go straight to Dort. But he's been absolutely cooking. I've probably had him on the past three slates, and I have yet to be disappointed. But that wraps up all seven games, and that brings us to our player tier segment. My friend, I will let you start with your favorite expensive tier option. Yeah, and there's just I mean, there's a lot of guys that are pretty valid for what they could end up doing, but I just can't look past my thought on Lamelo Ball for 9100. I think from that stud perspective, a guy who could most outperform his salary up to a point where he could get six to seven x would be Lamelo. He's already shown his capability against Milwaukee. He gets up for these kind of games, and in a game that is likely to be the highest scoring game of the night, I like myself to take some chances with Lamelo on there. So I think everybody knows my feeling on Giannis. Uh, I'm playing him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but like I said, if you're if you're listening earlier, I think Siakam's in a fantastic spot too at 8,400. So if I had to pick two, it would be that. I'm just saying that because I like both these guys and I really couldn't make up my mind. And I was hoping you'd say Siakam just to <laughs> make my life easier. But you didn't do that. You didn't do that. You know. So uh, mid-tier option between five and seven nine. Yep, fair enough, and I think it's just kind of picks itself anytime we have Brooklyn so far down as far as their offensive options are concerned. Seth Curry for 5,900 just becomes absolutely penciled in for what he can do, and it's a plain and simple offensive option. He'll become the primary ball handler as well. He'll get up anywhere between 15 to 20 shots in that game, so just a lot of different ways for him to easily get that 5x, and he's also got that capability to drop 6 to 7x for the upside he has for that price tag. Okay, well, I think... Again, another another tough spot for me, man, because I'm looking at Tyler Hero, uh, 6,300, no no uh, Kyle Lowry. He's going to be more involved, guaranteed 33, 34 minutes of this one. They're going to need his offense. I think I'm going to end up, uh, you know, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go with Tyler Hero here. It's between him and Marketing for me. Uh, both those guys are on that 6K range, and it, it's a tough decision, man. Tough decision. We're going to have to make some choices on this one, uh, but then we'll go to the value, less than yeah. 5K. Yeah, absolutely. And since uh, you didn't or I didn't get the opportunity to mention Siakam there, I am going to mention Precious Achua as my value pick on here. 3,600. He has just been 
absolutely finding more way and more ways to get involved with the lineups. He's just, he's kind of the major project from that trade for Kyle Lowry. They definitely invested in him to become a lot more involved in the team, not only from his rebounding capabilities, but just the fact that he can defend so many guys on the wing with his quickness laterally. So in general, he's found himself in two great games since coming back. I don't expect his minutes to go anywhere. So for 3,600, sign me up. The choices, man, the choices. I already said a heat, so, you know, I'm going to go James Johnson. I was thinking Gabe Vincent, but I'm going to go James Johnson here at 4,100. Uh, as long as this dude continues to play around 30 minutes at 4,100, that's just too cheap. His price tag just refuses to move. When over the past three games, 25.5, 21.75, and 30.75 DK points, two of those games he had double-digit shot attempts. He's always good for just a plethora of boards, assists, steals, blocks. He'll get it done so many different ways where if the shot actually does fall for him, you're probably looking at like a 30 DK point pretty pretty easy. It's all about that shot because he's going to get the ancillary stats no matter what. And I think this matchup suits him very, very well. They're going to need him for Siakam. Bottom line, they don't really have anybody else on their team that matches up with the size and length and speed way, uh, you know, range. Uh, wrong word there, but you know what I mean. Uh, going against Siakam. So I will go with Mr. James Johnson at 4,100. And now we'll shift gears. We'll slide over to Thrive Fantasy. Give me your favorite Thrive Fantasy pick of the night. Absolutely. And it seems that uh, you've been talking up all the heat tonight. So I'm going to steal a little bit of that heat from you and say that Tyler Hero at the 21.5 points and assists over for 100 points is an absolutely solid pick to be able to go ahead and lock in. He probably will beat that just on pure points alone. So that's that's just absolutely easy. 105 you can or 100 you can go ahead and take home with you. Absolutely, my friend. That is one of the ones I had penciled, circled, and I was really looking at. So I will have to shift my gears, stall for a quick moment, and look in some other spots. Uh, and if I'm looking around here, I do see that Sabonis won 10.5 rebounds. I expect him to easily beat that going against OKC. It's only 95 DK, uh, 95 Thrive points. almost said DK. Uh, so I'll go there. I like that one. It's a nice little gimme. I think there's no way in hell he gets less than 10.5 rebounds on this one. Book it for like, a, I'm going to say 13 is the number I'm thinking. But... That brings us home, man. 41-minute show. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We do appreciate it. Thank you guys for the kind words. It's been flooding through the Twitter gates, whether it's just a regular tweet or a message. Really do appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. And then you can give us a thumbs up, five-star rate and review wherever you listen to this. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, YouTube, you name it. We are there. We will be back tomorrow. It will be Santino. It'll be DJ Sammy Caps. They'll be crushing that Tuesday slate for you guys. Harris, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? No, not at all. Just as you said, it's been amazing to get some of the messages I've been getting as well on the Twitter side. I really appreciate any and all feedback and all the positive reviews I have been getting. If you guys don't get bored of my voice back to back, then you can definitely reach out to me as always on Twitter, on Discord. I'm always there to answer a question and yeah, reach out with anything you have. That's it. Hit my man up. Take care, guys. Let's go take down some GPPs.